He could have ignored her, but he didn't. He could have refused to see her, but he didn't. He could have refused to speak with her, but he didn't. In fact, he was the one who started the conversation. The ancient story of Jesus and the woman at the well contains some important lessons for all of us about how Jesus works and how we, as his followers, are to work as well. First, the story takes place in the non-Jewish territory of ancient Palestine. A quick geography lesson about ancient Palestine. Jesus had been in the province of Judea where he was born. Remember how we hear the Christmas story and it tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And now Jesus was on his way to the province of Galilee where he grew up. Remember that Jesus is referred to often as a Galilean, Jesus of Nazareth, a city in the province of Galilee. Now, to get from the province of Judea, which was in the south, to the province of Galilee, which was in the north of ancient Palestine, you had to walk through Samaria. Samaria was a non-Jewish territory, and Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Hated each other. And here was Jesus, a Jewish man, at the well in the Samaritan city of Sychar, and this Samaritan woman comes to the well to get water. The geography in this story is our first important lesson from Jesus. You see, Jesus goes where other people don't go. He crosses boundaries and borders because people matter more to him than boundaries and borders. As followers of Jesus, we too are called to put people first. We too are called to go where people are rather than wait for them to come to us. We too are called to cross borders and boundaries and barriers that we set up in this life because people matter most. People matter most. Back at the well, Jesus begins the conversation, which is a pretty radical thing to do. Now, you may be thinking, oh, it's not a big deal. All he did was talk to her. Believe me, in his day and time, it was simply unheard of. Not only did Jews and Samaritans hate each other, not only did Jews and Samaritans not associate with each other, not only did Jews and Samaritans not speak to each other, but men and women talking together? Radical. Amazing. 
Because in those days, a man did not speak to a woman who was not his wife or his servant. And women especially did not speak to men they did not know. It just wasn't allowed. It wasn't the custom. And yet, Jesus begins the conversation with this Samaritan woman. Give me some water to drink, Jesus says to her. She must have been shocked. And then the Samaritan woman is brave and she asks Jesus, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And the stage is set and now Jesus tells her about living water. The kind of water that you drink and you're never thirsty again. The kind of water that bubbles up inside you and suddenly you are aware of a love that you've never felt before. The kind of love that leads you to eternal life. The kind of water that changes your life forever. Jesus then continues to ask her questions, and she asks him questions too. She's not the usual kind of person you would expect Jesus to be recruiting into his movement. We find out in the story, as they talk to each other, that she has had five husbands divorced five times in ancient Palestine. Think about that for a minute five times and the man she's living with now he's not her husband scandalous and yet Jesus recruits her as his disciple telling her he is the Messiah she is transformed by his actions. She's transformed by the love she feels. She's transformed by the conversation. And she puts down her water jar and she goes back into the city and she tells people about this incredible man she's met and about the living water that she's experienced which brings her truth and love and life like she's never known before and... That last verse that Dan read for us, verse 39, says this. Many Samaritans in the city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when she testified, saying, He told me everything I've ever done. He told me everything I've ever done. Not only does Jesus go to a place outside the boundaries, he engages in conversation with the person least likely to be a disciple. And because of their conversation, because of Jesus' actions, an entire town, an entire city knows about Jesus' love and life-giving water. Jesus cared about her, and he knew her testimony could make a difference for an entire town. Yes, he was interested in her, but he was also interested in the entire town. Jesus was a multiplier. He invites us to be multipliers, too. For the next six weeks, our worship series that we'll be celebrating each Sunday is called Multiply. For the next six weeks, you will see this giant X that's over here. It's a times table, 
And we have times tables on our bulletin. You might remember those from first and second or third grade. Mm -hmm. It's a reminder that God loves multiplication. A time sign, the multiplication sign. Look for them around the church. There are several of them. Keep your eyes open. When Jesus kicked off his ministry, he too talked about multiplication. Jesus looked at a bunch of first century fishermen and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Jesus then went on to say to the disciples, I'll show you how to multiply me and the lives of others. Push the clock forward three years and multiplication is still at the heartbeat of Jesus's ministry. Some of his very last words on earth were this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you even to the very end of the age. It's about multiplication. Why? Because multiplication has the greatest impact. Addition, it's okay, but it's too slow. Too slow for Jesus. Too slow for us as well. Think about how long it takes when you add one by one by one by one. Multiplication moves more quickly. It has a bigger impact. Like talking with one woman at a well and having her impact her entire city. This is multiplication. The truth is that God is urgent about reaching and transforming the world with the love of Christ. That living water, the kind of water that makes a woman put down her bucket and go tell her entire town about the kind of love and acceptance she has just experienced. Something she's not experienced ever before. What happened at the well was that Jesus made love visible made love visible to her, made her understand the power that love can have in her life. And she went and did the same thing for her entire town of Sychar. This is God's multiplication. Today, as Kyle mentioned earlier, is Worldwide Communion Sunday, a day when we celebrate communion with Christians all over the world. One faith, one hope, one baptism, one table. And there's room for everyone at the table, and the living water, the love of Christ, washes over each of us and makes us aware of what the power of Christ's love can do in our lives. This living love of Christ is the kind of love that fills us so much that we're no longer thirsty again. We're filled to overflowing, and that's the whole point. Jesus wants us to overflow with love so that we'll share that love with others. Jesus was a multiplier, and he calls us to be multipliers too. Here's a true statistic. The average United Methodist invites someone to church one time every 37 years. It's true. One time every 37 years. Think about that for a minute. One time every 37 years. This is not what Jesus had in mind. So, like Jesus today, 
I invite you to break the mold, to go to a new place, maybe an unlikely place like Samaria, or its modern-day locations, maybe your neighbor's house or your co-worker's desk. Take the risk to offer living water, making the love of Christ visible for that person. Now, I'm not saying get in their face and say something to them about your faith. I'm saying be kind, show love, do good, so that they'll understand, like this woman, that even if they've had five husbands and the person they're living with is not their husband, we're not judging them. That's what I'm talking about, making the love of Christ visible for that person. And then consider sharing with them something we're doing here at Narden Park that you're excited about. I hope there's at least one thing that you're excited about that we're doing. Invite them to join you. Maybe it's making bread. We have a new bread-making group. I'm so excited. Uh, the next time we have communion, we'll have communion bread made by our new bread-making group. Meets on Saturday mornings. Maybe it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which are made here once a month on Friday nights and shared with the homeless. Maybe it's the rummage sale. So many opportunities this week. Maybe it's the upcoming, upcoming trunk or treat event. Or choir. Right, Kyle? It's radical at choir. There's a lot of love that happens at choir. Maybe it's a worship service. That love of Jesus, that living water, gives us all life. And it helps multiply the impact if each of us reaches out just to one person. I mean, look around this room. If each of us reaches one person, that would double the size of this room. Think about that for a minute. That's multiplication. Multiply. That love of Jesus, that life-giving water that gives life to all of us, so many people, so many people are wanting a drink of fresh, clear, life-giving water. Water that changes your life. What if you offered a glass of water to someone? or a cup of coffee, or a smile. Jesus loves multiplication. It's what he did. It's what we're called to do, not for our sakes, but for his. Won't you join me in multiplying like Jesus? Amen.